The Alabama Crops Report Podcast, your trusted information source for Alabama agriculture. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alabama Crops Report Podcast. I'm Adam Rabinowitz, an assistant professor and extension economist with Auburn University. And I'm Dr. Amanda Shear, extension plant pathologist with Alabama Cooperative Extension. We are excited to be releasing regularly scheduled podcast episodes with up-to-date information about Alabama crops throughout the year. You'll be hearing from extension personnel from all over the state with the latest research and management recommendations. So how are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing really well, Amanda. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to be hosting the, the episode today with you. It's been a couple of weeks since we got on. It has been, and, and we've got a, a really exciting guest today that, that we're going to focus on a, a lot of peanuts. Uh, we'll be joined uh, by Chris, Dr. Chris Balcom, Extension Peanut Specialist with Statewide Responsibilities. On uh, today's episode, Chris will be giving us a 2020 crop update for peanuts. He'll talk about seed quality, seed treatments, variety selection. Uh, so Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about y'all today? Very well. Thank you. So let's get right into some of these questions here and, and see what's happening in terms of the peanut crop. So, you know, just thinking about, uh, we've seen prices certainly increase on a number of row crops. Um, but let's talk about the 2020 just for a moment. What were the final numbers for that 2020 peanut crop? There for Alabama in 2020, we had 182,000 acres of peanuts planted uh, that we harvested uh, 3,500 pounds per acre for the crop last year. That was a little shy of what we anticipated and were hoping to harvest. However, uh, you know, just conditions, uh, we had a lot of rain last year. We had Hurricane Sally came through, uh, just a number of showers that continued throughout the fall and harvest season that hindered us from being as timely as what we wanted to be there harvesting the crop. So uh, uh, we had a lot of delays. Peanuts ran uh, a lot more on the days than what we anticipated, and uh, that cut our yields there some. You know, one of the things while we're still talking about, you know, 2020, probably the biggest issue that peanuts producers had to deal with last year was seed quality, you know, that really resulted in poor stands. You know, so how does the seed quality outlook look for the 2021 crop versus last year? Thankfully, we look a lot better than we did last year. You know, we knew going into 2020 that we were going to have some uh, seed issues uh, quality wise, just because of the harvest season that we had in 2019 that would carry over into our seed and, and go in and give us some quality issues uh, it was just as bad as what we anticipated it being last year at planting time. Uh, you, you know, we were at lousy stands. We had to go back in and patch plant some more. But uh, however, this year for the 2021 crop, everything that I've seen germination wise from the samples that we've sent off, that farmers have sent off and shared with me, and other shellers, uh, we look like we have excellent quality this time. Uh, everything's been 85% higher on germination rates. And uh, most everything I would say has been in the low 90s as a good average. So uh, really excited and hope we have a good start as we get into planting season. Yeah, I know producers are going to be happy to hear some of those numbers. And just kind of as a funny side note, coming from a research standpoint, we're trying to put, you know, a seedling disease trial in Headland this year with one of our cooperators. And we actually are trying very hard to find some stressed 
seed, you know, with poor germination. And it's actually been very hard for us to find this year. So (laughs) just from a goofy standpoint, when you're looking from researchers, you know, we want to see the opposite sometimes just for our stuff, but happy for producers. So just sticking on the topic of, you know, seed quality and, you know, seed rots and um, seedling diseases, you know, in terms of seed treatments, we often recommend that to producers, you know, what are some of your thoughts on the ones that are available? And what would be your recommendations? For years, the industry standard has been Dynasty PD has been the seed treatment um, uh, for quite a number of years there now. And uh, now we have a newer product that's come on board is Rancona. And uh, we started using that there and looking at it last year. Uh, Even when we were having those germination issues and we knew we had some seed quality problems, as we we would treat the seed with that and send it off for germination tests, we would see higher germination rates with the Rancona treatment typically. Uh, so with that being said, uh, we had a seed treatment test there last year where we had an early planting and, a, and followed by a second planting there at a later date. And, and we saw the Rancona uh, perform a little better than the Dynasty PD did. Uh, a pretty good numerical difference advantage to the Rancona treatment. And especially, too, when we still added in an infra treatment of a fungicide, such as an abound or something of that nature, just to help and give it just even a little more additive uh, there in fur. Yeah, and that actually kind of led into my next question about Inferro applications. You know, there's some good options for producers with, you know, vellum with the fluoropyran material or an exoxystrobin, you know, an abound. Um, so what are your kind of thoughts on Inferro treatments and how would you compare those to seed treatments? Would you ever go without one of the other? Uh, you know, probably early on, I would I would probably recommend using the like a vellum treatment or, or an abound. Be sure to have a fungicide infer in addition to your seed treatment. I think it would be beneficial there to do that early on in the planting season. As planting season progresses and we get later in the year and um, soil temperatures are even hotter and warmer and air temperatures are warmer and conditions are even better and more favorable. You know, we probably don't need to apply that in for a treatment in addition to our seed treatment. I think just our seed treatment alone would probably be fine at that time. Uh, but definitely early on, cooler temperatures, wetter soil conditions, uh, I, I would think we would see an advantage uh, consistently by adding that in for a fungicide treatment. There are a lot of, of different practices that, that producers need to think about when choosing their seed variety. And all of these different varieties that are out there as well, we've seen for many years, Georgia 06G certainly has a hold in terms of the market and, and the number of acres. Uh, there's also breeds, though, that, that have come right out of Auburn. So, you know, with all these different varieties available, how do you determine which variety to plant where? Yeah, that's an excellent point there, Adam, as far as when we think about 06G and as long as it's been around and the number of acres that it has maintained over the years, you know, it's been 90% of the acres in probably Georgia and Alabama, uh, as well as Florida, uh, you know, there for a number of years. And and we do have a lot more options out there now as more varieties have been released by these breeders from, from all the universities and and uh, I certainly think we'll, we don't have a silver bullet variety that's going to take over the acres like what O6G has done in the past years. Uh, currently, I don't see that variety out there right now uh, to, to be just one dominant variety that's uh, 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 just the perfect one that we need. But we do have a lot of advantages to some of these other varieties that are out there. And we've been able to consistently out yield O6G in a lot of different situations. So uh, I, th- I think we have to look at those varieties and take advantage of the attributes that they have for us 
and, and put them in those places where they can benefit us. You know, you know, number one, we start looking at variety trial data from the universities as uh, all the different research stations. Uh, that are close to us and, and scattered about the state. And then we look at on-farm variety trials and, and, and look in the different growing regions and see how they perform on a larger scale. And, you know, it gives us an advantage to be able to look and see, do we see a variety that stands out at all the locations? Or, you know, is it just one variety in a certain location uh, and, and it varies between places? You know, uh, obviously one that stands out at all the locations is, is going to be one like what that 06G has been, you know, just a dominant variety and uh, fits a lot of different situations. The disease packages vary so much in these varieties that, that uh, you know, we have a lot of diversity across the state when you think about rainfall and disease pressure. Uh, and that really hinges a lot. A difference on these varieties. So we have to look at those areas and see where they fail at, how much disease pressure can they handle. Uh, and then that way we can decide and split up our varieties across our farm by maybe the different rotations that we have, maybe where we've got a long rotation, we'll use a variety that, that's not as strong as far as disease package, but we can put a good spray program together for it, stay on schedule and be very timely with that in comparison to one that's that's, that's got a uh, a great disease package and can, uh, you know, doesn't have a top-notch program on it. You know, we can save a little bit of money there on our fungicides uh, because it ha it can handle so much disease pressure and strong leaf spot resistance and, and white mold and so forth. You, you know, I, th I think that's what we've got to look at. And, you know, tomato spotted wilt, when we got 06G, we forgot about tomato spotted wilt. Uh, but it's certainly still out there and it's prevalent. And we, we've seen more and more of it here the last few years. So uh, we certainly look at these varieties and see how much resistance they have to tomato spotted wilt. And, you know, we, we don't want to plant one of those real susceptible varieties first. You know, we, we need to wait till later in the planting season, you know, and have some other varieties up, uh, something else for the thrips to go to versus that variety that's very susceptible early. You know, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to set it up for failure. That is a lot of, of great information and, and, and great advice for producers in terms of things to think about for selecting their varieties. One thing that I question, though, is in terms of the availability, because we have had such a large number of acreage over the years for 06G, uh, do we have really the availability of seed for some of these other varieties? Yeah, well, that, that, that's a good question, uh, and it's certainly a good point. It's kind of hard for some to, to start changing. You know, 06G has been so good to uh, many farmers for a number of years. That It seems like, you know, a lot of them want to keep planting it until it just goes out on them, you know, or, or turns into a train wreck, you know, and I, I encourage them to try to be looking at some of these other varieties. So that that's also sparked the um, interest of these seed producers and, and, and caused them to go ahead and be planting some more acres of some of these other varieties to allow these other producers to be able to split up their acreage better and, uh, and not have so many eggs in one basket with one variety. So we certainly have been increasing the seed of these other newer varieties coming on board and uh, something we'll get more and more into, obviously. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that, Chris. You know, diversification, you know, planting a wide variety of, you know, these different peanut cultivars is a good way to go. And one good resource for producers is the Peanut RX guide that's put up by the University of Georgia, but several different universities contributed to it, including Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida, Clemson. And we actually use all of our research trials to create a point system for these varieties in terms of how they're gonna to respond to tomato spotted wilt, leaf spot and white mold. And that's easy to find just by Googling peanut RX and they have a new interactive 
web page that I think is going to be a lot more useful to producers going forward. And just to kind of continue on some of the other things you said, probably one of the biggest questions I I imagine that you get asked is when should producers plant? Uh, So do you just kind of want to give like a quick wrap up on some of your thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, You know, and I I think there's been a lot of research and time and effort going into that peanut RX program. Uh, It's been going on for a number of years, and I certainly think it's very beneficial for farmers to take a look at and and continue to look at and manage if they have been using it, because it's all about risk management, you know, splitting up these varieties and and knowing which one to use and pick and uh, having a scale a point scale for these to be able to allow them to see what we're looking at there with them with all of our different experiments and so forth, I think is a, is a great opportunity for them to help lower their risk, uh, you know, there. So, uh, yeah, as, as, as we look and, and think about, you know, when to plant and timing, um, it, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at soil temperatures, you know, uh, there for years we were at 65 degrees at four inches deep for three days in a row. And, being able to maintain that with the forecast that we're given in the days to come to not see any variation in that or any weather event that's going to cause us to go below that. And, uh, and, you know, only, only in the past few years, we've raised that temperature up to 68 degrees just because it increases germination so much uh, by just those other three degrees from 65 to 68 degrees really makes a huge difference in germination. So, uh, uh, you know, that's that's what our standard is there now. And obviously, we just don't have a set date on the calendar of when that is. Uh, it varies from year to year. Just like, you know, you never know what's around the corner. But, uh, you know, I've seen us start planting in uh, around April the 10th before, and I've seen it be the 25th of April before we can start planting. You know, a lot of farmers and old timers, they always are thinking about that cold snap around Easter. So when it's as early as it is like this year, uh, being the first part of April, more than likely, uh, that the end of the month is going to look really good for planting, I suppose, you know, just guessing and thinking about that. And, uh, you know, we're 85 degrees right here today. And uh, I'll guarantee you that the planters will be moving uh, in late April this year. Uh, I think we'll, we'll have an early start this year. And, uh, you know, you never know what kind of spring you're going to have. So when the temperatures get right and you've got moisture, look, well, we got to go to moving. Uh, you know, plant one of those um, varieties right there early on that has a high resistance to tomato spotted wilt. And let's get that crop in the ground. Let's get started, you know, there as early as we can. Our research has showed us the last few years that the more and more uh, that we've got back out there in, in, in April and started back planting, that's been our highest yielding peanuts, you know. Uh, and, and look, it gives us the longest, best opportunity to make some when you've got a, a peanut variety such as an indeterminate, as peanuts are. Uh, that can vary on fruiting on the conditions that they have. Uh, that gives us a, a longer window and more opportunity to make them the earlier we plant them. If, if it's if we get behind and we we're, we're relaxed and we don't start planting until the first of June, but we've narrowed our own own growing season there then, and we don't have near as long and many opportunities to to produce that crop. So certainly our best peanuts have been uh, the end of April planting. You've really given some some excellent advice there for producers and and focusing on the the current current year, if you will. I mean, as an economist, I always kind of really focus in on risk management with respect to prices and and different production practices. And and on the price side, we certainly don't know from year to year, but also not knowing from year to year when those specific dates will be for for planting and and needing to take in the, the variables for what's actually happening this year is is absolutely important. Um, so just kind of on that, that point, though, about prices, what are your thoughts about 
uh, just prices for this 2021 crop at this point and, and what producers should be looking at or just in general about the upcoming year? Yeah, you know, it looks like the market's pretty strong that the peanuts are in demand. You know, all the commodities have been up in price this year so far. And, you know, peanuts appear, they started out a little lower, but they've kind of been around $500. It's kind of where a lot of the contracts have been. Uh, You know, really, that kind of seems like the floor right now. Cotton's still uh, 80-something cent plus. You know, with that being said, I don't see any reason for peanuts to fall off uh, there from that price. I think they have an opportunity to be the 500 and up. Uh, you know, certainly high oil eggs would get a premium above the $500 because as we talk about that, that's just the normal oil chemistry uh, varieties that are that are at 500 and, and they would be a little premium there for high oil eggs, you know. Um, so I, th- I think it's a great opportunity uh, for the farmers and, and hopefully, you know, they can make a crop because uh, really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the price is. If we can't produce it, it, it doesn't matter what the price is. So hopefully we can have a good growing season and, and, and have a good yield and, and uh, people can get that, capture that good price there this year, hopefully. Yeah, definitely fingers crossed on that one. You never know what's going to happen. But, you know, Chris, we really you know appreciate your time today. And as always, if we can ever be of any help to any of our listeners, please don't hesitate to reach out. Adam and Chris, I appreciate your time today and really enjoy talking with both of you. Hey, thank you, Amanda. I appreciate it there, Adam. Thank you, Chris. The Alabama Crops Report podcast is a production of the Alabama Cooperative Extension System and is sponsored by Alabama Ag Credit.